Donald Knapp, welcome back to Thinking Bigger with Kevin Feely once again. You're one of the Thank you. Uh, top episodes. I think Dan Fulkerson has you beat, which Shout is- Shout out to Dan. It's a good one to lose to. Um, but yeah, no, you uh, are, are one of the most requested uh, repeats. So- Really? Back in the house. I had no idea. I don't know if you're just saying that, but no, that's and awesome. our and our clips did really well too on uh, Instagram and yeah, and that was heck yeah, one of the first episodes. I had a mullet back then too. You did. Yeah, it was a weird phase for freshly, you. Freshly, freshly transitioning from working for you. Yep. Into my own thing, and I don't think I had any hires yet. Yeah, it was just so, you. So, lots. so tell people a little bit about our relationship, how we met, and um, yeah, give them kind of a bird's eye view. Yeah. So I met Kevin on Grinder. About, <laughs> um, no, just joking. But, um, well, I met Kevin through, I met you through my mom, right? Um, how many years ago? Two, two and a half, three, three years ago, right after COVID happened, actually. So almost, yeah. So right after COVID happened and I was leaving Starbucks. Yeah. That was early 2020. Yep. And it's early. Tw- yeah. Yep. I was leaving Starbucks and just looking for a job and, uh, Kevin hired me and I was basically doing everything doing back-end work onboarding kind of like your personal assistant in a way but i was basically getting paid to like learn sales so it worked yeah you know it's funny because the job didn't pay super well i mean i guess it paid a lot better than starbucks what hell yeah three thousand a month or yeah something? bro for someone coming off of starbucks i was like yeah holy shit dude am i allowed to cuss yeah yeah i was like holy shit 3k a month dude but yeah yeah yeah. So, but I mean, the average person might look at that because it's a lot of work and it's hard. Like you, th- there were a lot of breaking points for you because you're doing new stuff, right? When you take a new job, especially going from Starbucks, which is like a, not a lot of thought, go, not a lot of creativity goes into it, right? I guess a lot of thought, I guess, but not a lot of creativity goes to it. So then when you're thrown into a role, like what you were doing, which was kind of everything, which you're sort of thrown in with the sharks and see, you know, we see if you can swim and you're constantly, instead of just taking orders um, and, and kind of following a, a repetitive session of tasks, you're now having to problem solve, which drains you. So by the end of the day, when you're doing something like this and it's new to you, you just want to break down and cry, you know, like, I mean, and, and sometimes people do. And that's because it pushes you to that point where you didn't realize uh, that you were capable of something like that, you know, but you, I watched you go through so many of these different, you know, you would grow, you would do new things, you'd conquer new tasks, and then you'd hit a brick wall like everybody does. Now, you decided to get over that brick wall, right, where most people give up. So some people don't even take that opportunity because it's scary. It's risky. And especially when we first started working together, it was just me. We were in this tiny little office upstairs and now we have a big office suite. But if I were looking at that coming from a stable job like Starbucks, that's always going to pay. Right. And I see this guy who has a business that's barely even functional. You know, most businesses fail. So statistically, it's a terrible bet if you're going with the safe side of things right sure but um so what did you think when you first were working for me when it was just us we were doing like five to seven thousand dollars a month which with rent ads marketing payroll wasn't even breaking even yeah i mean i I was drowning right 
But um, what did you think when you first came on? Dude, it was nerve nerve wracking. It was scary. Like I, there's a specific because we're we're in the same building, right? For the people who don't know, there's a specific smell when I'm coming from the the game room where we play ping pong to the fifth floor. Yeah. And that Down smell, stairs, dude, right? I have nostalgia of just being nervous as hell. Like, what does Kevin have for me today? Like, I was like, dude, I don't know if I'm going to be able to handle it. I'm going to have to get on Zooms, talk to people. Yep. And I was, you know, extremely introverted. So, um, but yeah, it was definitely just like what's going to happen today kind of feeling. Talk a little bit closer to the mic. Okay. Thank you. Um, yeah. And, and if you can just like explain what you were doing when you first started working for me and, and quick side note, we said this in the last podcast, but Donald is the reason why my business blew up. Now we're doing millions of dollars per year, but without that first initial hire, Donald, uh, or without Donald, it, it would not have grown as fast. Now I would have eventually hired somebody and it would have worked out, but it's one of those things that really makes me believe in like divine intervention or placement where people meet for a reason because it just happened so flawlessly. And then look at everything else that has come from it, right? Your brother Carlos works for me now, um, who, by the way, shout out to Carlos. Carlos runs all the equipment for the podcast, editing, uploads, all my social media. So shout out to Carlos. Shout out Carlos. But um, anyways, so sorry. But yeah, you were, you, you mentioned divine timing. And you said like all these things that are coming from it. Not only that now, like I was able to hire, you know, my family. Like I have four of my, I mean, I consider Ray like family too, yeah. you know? Yeah. So, which is really cool. But four of my guys who work for me, like they all like are making a livable wage. They all make good money now. And that came from starting to work for you. So that's, that's awesome. Also going back to like the divine timing thing. I didn't get to mention this on the, the last time we spoke and it like, it was something that really stuck with me which was when I like that time period in my life, right. Was kind of like my spiritual awakening. I kind of think that sounds a little corny now just cause it's like super overused, but I started looking into like synchronicities and numbers and that kind of thing, right. Patterns. Um, and I remember like when you texted me the address to this place, you were like 11, 11. And I was like, Whoa, that's, that's pretty cool. You know, I was like, Oh yeah, that's, I was like, kind of like, okay, this is awesome come to find out your birthday's freaking November 11th. And then that's yep. when I was like, okay, this is insane. Yeah. Here we are, you know, but what I see that as is just kind of like trusting your gut instinct. Cause I know you said like the safety part of like Starbucks, but it was just like a gut instinct thing. And I, I want to, I want to give a lot of credit to my mom because it's like, even when you, even when maybe I can't trust or don't go with my own instinct. Fortunately, I have that guide to be like, Hey, trust me, go this way, go this way. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, now that I'm like, you know, now that I'm 24, I'm not, I know I'm not, I know I'm not like old or anything, but now I'm starting to learn to trust my own instinct and it's working. But before when you're a young kid, it's harder to do that. You know, like you're unsure of like what's right and what's wrong. So I'm extremely grateful for my mom because she's helped like direct me in this path. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, your mom is so spiritually in tune too. I mean, some of the things that she said, I'm just like, how do you know this? Like very, very weird, uh, in a positive way, but yeah, definitely, uh, makes you think, but, um, I, you know, I think one thing that's important and for anybody listening to this, no matter where you are in your life, no matter how old you are, what job you're working, 
if you want it bad enough and you will put in the work and you will be a sponge, meaning you're constantly learning, there is nothing that's off limits. Like when, when I look at our two companies, which Donald has a company now similar to mine, when he left, went on a, on his own, he opened a marketing company that's basically the same exact concept, same offer, just a different audience. So we target real estate agents. Uh, one of my other companies that does the same thing targets auto detailers. Donald targets solar reps, people selling solar. And Donald has four employees right now, right? Mm-hmm. I have, well, I mean, we have a bunch, but the ones that are in this office, when I think about it, everybody's making really good money. Nobody has a college degree, no, except for Rachel, but she doesn't use it. N- pretty much everybody worked some kind of basic lower entry level job before. Starbucks, Starbucks, Rachel and Lauren both worked at- Phil's Barbecue. Phil's Barbecue. Uh Ray worked at Albertsons. Where'd, where'd Julie it? worked at like a Yerba. Yeah, Yerba the shop. coffee shop. And how about your other employees? Yeah, George was working for uh, like security, security at like Petco Park. Yep. So elite. Part time, right? Yeah. Yeah. You already mentioned Ray was working at Albertsons. Um, I think AJ, oh, AJ was working at like Jersey Mike's and Lids. So two jobs. Um. Eric, Eric was working at Burger Lounge. I was like, who am I missing? Yeah. So, and, and all of these guys are making money and, and impacting a company and helping grow a company, uh, by the way, in a, I don't think you understand how rare it is to be able to make a company profitable as fast as both of us have. And it really helps that we're selling a, a service based product not like a physical product that we have inventory for where there's a lot of other moving pieces, but you, the fact that we have both started businesses that almost immediately are profitable and, and are consistently growing at just a ridiculous rate, statistically, the chances of that happening are like less than 1%. I mean, and the fact that we can do that repeatedly, but I think that it comes down to the hustle of like us putting in work and getting over our fears and pushing when we're uncomfortable and that knowledge of consistently learning and applying what we learn. Um, I think the reason why most businesses don't grow is they don't have sales knowledge and expertise and they don't take those risks that they need to. They play the safe game, which is what the world sort of teaches you. And that brings me back to my point where instead of staying at Starbucks or going to school, getting a degree, getting, you know, that, that, common way of having a career you took the unsafe route which ended up being the most safe way that you could have gone when you think about the end result you know so what do you have to say about that i 100 percent agree with you i think because you mentioned like the the odds are super super rare and unlikely but honestly like i think kind of ignorance is bliss in the sense of like not not overthinking that fact because i feel like a lot of people like they worry about that you know like maybe hearing you say that they're like thinking oh i don't think i can do it like he's right like the odds of that happening are so little but it's it really i believe it's really your mindset it's your thinking like it it, at no point in the in the start of my business did i think this isn't gonna work yep at no point was i like oh i'm gonna throw in the towel and I think a huge part of that success is really sticking with it. I think that's where most people fall off, right? Like I, I can think of a couple of people who take the right steps, 
take the right actions. They look out for mentorship, but they don't stick to one thing. And then, you know, you're not going to get much out of it if you aren't consistent with it. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good point. When I started in the entrepreneurial world, I had left a comfortable six figure sales job in Boston, moved out here where I knew nobody. And I immediately, dude, I remember I rented this apartment. I had this sick ass apartment when I first moved here. And the landlord was just this guy that owned the apartment. And I remember when I was moving out, this guy was an entrepreneur, successful dude, owns a bunch of real estate, whatever. But I remember he said something that was like a backhanded, kind of a bitch ass thing to say. But he, he, he said this backhanded comment. And I had started an Amazon business. I had started my marketing company. I had, I was doing the credit card. I mean, I was doing so many different things. I think I had like five businesses that I had started. I thought that, oh, I need multiple flows of income. So I'm going to start these, you know, five different businesses. Well, if you focus on one and you just go hard with that one thing in mind, like you said, you're going to find success. You'll fail a bunch, but you will eventually find success. But if you try to build five businesses at once, it's like trying to chase five rabbits at once. You won't catch any of them, right? So I remember when I was moving out and he was giving me my deposit back and whatever. And the last thing he said was like this snarky bitch ass comment where he was like, hey, good luck with your five businesses. And I remember being like, fuck you, motherfucker. I didn't say that to him. Maybe I did, but I... I just remember that feeling. I was just so like kind of hurt by that because I sort of looked up to this guy, right? And I kind of wanted him to be a mentor and he just looked at me like I was a fucking idiot. And I was. I was trying to build five businesses at once. It was dumb. It was not going to work. His approach was terrible. He could have been like, hey, bro, here's why you shouldn't do this. But the world doesn't care about you. The world cares about what you have to offer. And... Most people from the outside looking in don't care whether you succeed or not, right? But I think that if you have the belief that you are going to make shit happen, it will. And that's exactly what you've done. And that's why I believe that being stubborn is a superpower. Agreed. Yeah, being obsessive and stubborn, I think, are like key traits to being successful in business. I also would, I also owe a lot of my success to journaling, I think. I think writing down the things that you want as if you already have them, writing out your thoughts for the day, just writing things down, putting pen to paper. Like I look back at my journals and I wanted to bring one today, but I look back at my journals and I'm like, holy shit, I've crossed these things off my list. Like I have these things and maybe it's not like, maybe it's not the writing it down, but it's just like telling yourself you know your brain is like recording the fact that you believe it enough to to physically do something and then also you have to put action in right but like we're there and i remember you know me and carlos we've we've my brother we've shared a room our entire lives dude our entire lives up to the age of 19 or 20 whenever i started working for you right yeah like and we were at an apartment it was my mom and my siblings right so us four and my mom and i remember that was when I was getting into everything. I started journaling and we all had a meeting together to sort of, you know, quote unquote, like manifest or like basically like, you know, ma- mastermind together. Like, hey, we all want a house. Let's all like just talk about our new house, what we want in this new house. Like, let's visualize it together as a family. Yep. You know, 
five, six months later, we're, I mean, we're renting a home, but it's our home, you know, like it's a house, it's not an apartment. And it's a badass house. And it's a sick house. With a big ass pool. With the pool, dude, with the pool. And, and we, we have our own rooms, you know, like, and it's just like that, that stuff, energy is everything. Energy is 100%. it, It matters. You know, like you're the way that you think about yourself, the way that you think about your life, the more you focus on the positives and what you're grateful for, even through the hard times, the better everything works out for you. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that when you so so your subconscious mind controls everything that you do. And if you're doing the same things every day and you're training your subconscious mind that this is what I do, I get up, I go to this job that I don't like. I sit in traffic, I come home, I pay my bills, I go to sleep, I do it again, right? If you're training your brain that that is your everyday routine, your brain is going to subconsciously continue to reap those kind of expectations, right? But when you make a change, when your brain starts to look at the world differently on a subconscious level, your reality changes. So when it comes down to manifesting, people always want to say, oh, manifesting it's this magical thing i think there's science behind it i truly believe that when you start to think of something in your mind and you start to feel the feeling you open up probabilities that never would have happened just by changing your thinking you're literally changing your timeline right um i don't think it's woo woo i don't think it's magic i think there's science behind it and i think that one day a long time ago, people thought electricity was magic because they couldn't explain it, right? Looked like a, an electric light coming from the gods or That's whatever. That's a great point. Yeah. So so I think that when, when we say, oh, I don't want to be woo-woo when talking about manifestation, I think that it's you need to be very clear that manifesting is one thing in terms of visualizing and having this stuff become reality, but putting in the fucking work is when it really happens because without execution... It's not going to happen. You can sit and think about what you want all day and that alone will push you closer towards that. But if you didn't show up, if you didn't show up when you didn't want to show up, if you didn't put the work in, if you didn't consistently push yourself far beyond your comfort zone every single day, you know, and, and if I don't see employees crying at some point, I know they're not growing fast enough because you need to hit that brick wall. I know that sounds fucked up and I don't mean I want employees to cry, but when I see somebody hitting that wall, it is such a good sign because it means that they're breaking down a barrier of what they truly believe in themselves and they're reaching another height. And I've watched you go through it so many times, but that blissful ignorance and where I say, I think stubborn is a superpower. I mean, that describes you, right? And me, you left here. You said, I remember one day you came to me and you said, my goal, just to be clear, within one year is to not work for you anymore. I want to do my own thing. And all the way up to that point, it there were every reason not to go off and work for yourself, but you trusted that beacon, that guiding light inside of you. And you decided, no, I gave myself this deadline to do this and I'm doing it. And I think you did it earlier yeah, than a year. Yeah, it yeah. happened sooner than we expected. Yeah, and we kind of pushed you to do that. I remember we had that conversation and we were sitting in, in the office and you were closing deals, still doing sales for me. And I remember looking at you and being like, you need to go. You're like, when are you, when are you leaving? Yeah. And I was like, what do you mean? You're like, when are you going to do your own thing? And then I just sat there and I was like, it'll happen. It'll happen. You know? But yeah, it kind of like, honestly, it kind of like sat 
wrong with me. I was like, why the fuck is Kevin, you know, telling me why am I here? You know, like a little reverse he's, psychology. He's bluffing me. He's bluffing. He's bluffing. And uh, <laughs> I still remember. I still remember like after leaving, um, I want to say maybe like a month or two after leaving, Nathan texted me like, hey, any chance you still want to come, come back? Yeah. And, I was and like, Nathan is my business partner, by the way. Yep. Yep. And I was like, absolutely not, bro. There's he no was going like, well, back worth now. a try. Yeah. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. No, but, but I think when we had that conversation, I was not bluffing. I truly was like, because when you're working for me, I'm making six figures a year off of your work, right? So instinctively, I don't want that to go away. But I realized one day, I'm like, okay, first off, I need to realize that this relationship is changing. You're growing. And that's why I do what I do. I want that for everybody, right? But a little selfish piece of me was like, I don't want this guy to go anywhere. He's such a great asset. And also like, he's going off to start a business. Is it too soon? Is he, you know, like there's always that like, dude, what if he goes off and fails? Like now I feel kind of responsible for that. But I remember sitting in the office and it just clicked like, dude, I got to serve this kid. Like I, that was my intention from the beginning. Right. And that's why I was like, dude, you got to like get out of the nest, go do your own thing. And it's worked out tremendously. Now I want to backtrack a little bit. So for anybody that has listened to this podcast and my content, whenever I talk about the ability to make more money, it is always around skills, particularly around sales. Now that you started your own business, how do you think that would go if you did not have that two years of sales experience oh, under your belt? The absolute failure. I wouldn't, it wouldn't have worked. Right. It would not work. Right. At all. And then I remember your buddy Josh came to visit and he's a, you know, very business oriented guy. And I think you asked him, you know, like, Hey, what do you think about Donald starting his own thing? And he was like, I don't think he's ready yet. And like, it kind of hurt me, but dude, that was only like a few months into sales before you even launched your new product. Yeah. So I didn't even really have like the training wheels off and you were selling that same product. So if you had left then and that may have never, we never, we maybe never would have launched that new offer, which is now making us literally millions of dollars. Yeah. Like it's, it's, it's also crazy. And to go back on the manifestation thing, I was up at my parents' house and my mom, so just a little side note, my sister committed suicide in November of 2019. My parents were thrown into some pretty rough financial circumstances from that. And my parents never really made a lot of money. I remember sitting in my parents' driveway and my mom broke down and was like crying and was basically telling me that they were having some financial issues. And dude, that hit me so hard, you know, and I sat in their driveway and I just pictured like, cause I was making good money, but not like millions. And I sat in their driveway and I just looked around and I was like, I know that I can do better. I know I'm worth more. I know I can make millions of dollars, but I don't know quite how I'm going to do that, right? The offer that I was at, we we're making good money, but we would have to have a team of like 20 salespeople. And that alone is like its own thing. But I remember sitting and just visualizing and I just told my subconscious mind, the universe, God, whatever, I need to make millions of dollars and I need to do it in the next year. And I need to figure out how to do that now. So brain, 
mind, God, universe, show me how to do this. And that was up in Oregon where my parents live. It's like a 14 hour drive from there to here. The next day, as we're driving back down, it's me and my girlfriend and it just clicked. Like it was like it was floating by me and I just picked it out of the ether. And I had our new offer. I had our new way. Of, I had everything. It was like I just pulled a puzzle that was already put together from the air. And I said, Karina, my girlfriend, I need you to drive right now. And I hopped in the passenger seat. And for the next six hours, I built out the funnel, meaning like the technology behind it. I built the website. I built the sales funnel. I, I, I built the tech sequences. I built everything. I launched it. And before we stopped at our stopping point, I had had 12 sales. I just sent a text blast to all our existing leads and I had 12 sales. And I was like, oh, this manifesting shit is real and it's available to us at any time. But that want and need and that conversation that I had with my parents was so heartbreaking where I was like, my parents can't do this on their own. And I stepped up and I figured it out. And now I, I mean, I pay their mortgage. Now I can, there, there's so many different things that I can do. And, um, man, this is like probably the most emotional I've gotten on the podcast, but I love the vulnerability. It's, it's good. Yeah. And, um, but yeah, I mean, dude, that, that, that desire and like watching your family go through something and you've dealt with that too, right? Like you've watched your mom break her back working a good job, but a job that doesn't pay her enough to provide for you guys. And I think that that is probably the number one fuel to your fire, which is why you're so successful. You're helping your family, you're helping your friends, you're helping yourself and everybody around you. And I feel like there is nobody that loses from that. 100,000%. That's the, that's the reason that I'm doing what I'm doing, you know? And I, I genuinely believe my, I wouldn't be successful if the purpose of it, if my why wasn't for my family, you know, and, and for the people working for me, and, you know, everyone around me, like if it, and of course, dude, I love money's cool. Money's fun, right? I like to be able to spend stuff and not worry. That's awesome. But I, I, I've thought about this over and over again. And it's like, dude, if I had this money and no support system, it would be the loneliest, the loneliest shit ever, you know? Well, you hear about people winning the lottery, right? And they're usually somebody, you know, rich people don't really play the lottery. So it's usually somebody who's like lower middle class or poor who just got lucky and they win 20 million, 50 million, whatever, right? This crazy absurd amount of money that they never would have touched in their life ever. And they go from chasing that next level, right? Cause when you're closer to the bottom, there's a lot to look forward to. And it almost like not having it, but chasing after it almost gives you meaning in life on its own. And when these people then go from driving a, a an old Toyota Corolla, renting a small apartment, barely getting by, to having literally anything that they want, everything. They go get a brand new Ferrari. They go buy a, a 4,000 square foot house. They go take trips, ride in private jets. They go do everything, literally everything that they thought would make them happy and they realize they've never been more miserable and they were happier before. You know, money 
is not what you want. And without your family, money is nothing. Absolutely nothing. Now I'll tell you, money makes everything easier in the world, especially if you're broke. Money is amazing because it's a tool to get time back. It's a tool to buy you freedom and to get you to not be a slave to the system. But most people thinking that money alone will make them happy, nope. It might be the most amount of money that you ever make in your life might be the most miserable that you ever are. Money multiplies and grows whatever your current state is. So if you're a miserable prick, well, you're going to be an even more miserable prick with money. But if your goal is to serve people and to help and to provide value to others, when you get money, you're going to be able to do that more. Yeah. And that, I think that was a misconception I had. And I know like I talked to some of my buddies and they still think this way and they think, you know, I, ha I have money problems. I just need money to fix my issues. Yeah. But it's not. It's an internal thing. Everything is internal. Like, okay, let's say I give you a million dollars, and I don't have a million dollars yet, but let's say I give someone a million, all your money issues are gone. You haven't worked and fixed the inside. It's the exact same thing you're talking about, the lottery thing. It's like it it starts within you, and then everything else, you know, everything else is a reaction to that. So the reason I think I'm successful is because I've done some of the inner work. I still have so much work to do, but I realize like money isn't, isn't the factor of happiness. You know, a girlfriend isn't the factor of happiness, you know, alcohol, drugs, music festivals. That doesn't, that doesn't fill, you know, I think everyone kind of has this void. We're trying to fill and it doesn't material buying stuff. It's, it's, it's short term. And then long term, you're like, Oh wait, I'm still sitting here by myself in my head. So if you can't make that that place in your head the most peaceful place, you're just going to you're never going to be happy, you know. Yeah. All right. So, I want to tell everybody a story. Uh, and this is about growth and it might be a little vulnerable, but we just had a quick break. Donald's cool with me sharing this. I don't for the record, I don't know what story you're sharing, but I'm super cool with it. I don't care. So, you'll remember this, I think, but and I want to hear your perspective um because I'm sure you'll remember it, but when you first started working for me, you first came into the role and I was kind of giving you every task that I should not be doing. And if you're running a business and you're thinking about hiring somebody, you need to do it and you need to do it like yesterday. And all you have to do is find the tasks that you're doing in the day that you can hand to somebody else that's going to buy you time to then spend more time on sales and marketing and the things that bring you more money. So when Donald worked for me, my goal was to buy back my time. I paid this kid full time, took a big chunk of my salary, basically brought my salary to zero so I could buy back my time. But the short term investment paid off because now I was able to bring in more money and we doubled the first month that you were there. We 4X'd within a few months, 10X within a couple more months. I mean, unreal what we did. But, um, you know, there's a story that I remember is you know, during our days, we would take a break and we would go upstairs and play ping pong. Right. And I remember you, I could just tell like you were just not in a great mood. You were like, something was bothering you. Right. And I was like, what's wrong, man. And you just fucking broke down and you cried and you, and again, like you were pushed to your breaking point. Cause you'd never been there. And you were like, I just feel like I'm your bitch. 
Do you remember that? Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, what, what do you mean? You're like, you just, you're telling me to do all this stuff. I'm like, bro, you're my employee. Like, this is what I pay you for. Like, I, I don't, I, I, I'm not mean to you. I'm not rude. I'm nice about the way. Maybe I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe you see it differently, but do you remember Kevin that? Is absolutely. an asshole in the best way possible though. So t- tell me how, what, what was that like being on the if other I'm, side? Yeah. So if I'm, if I'm remembering correctly, if I'm thinking of the same situation, which I believe it is, and I, I think I was wearing like a blue, blue, a blue collared shirt with white straps this way from H and M. Um, but I remember trying to, dude, a, a huge issue I've had growing up, and I'm still learning, but I've gotten way better is being able to communicate how I feel. That's like just in general. Yeah. Like as a man, I think it's hard for, I think it's difficult for men to communicate how they feel because it's it's like a constant thing of like oh you know if, if you come off this way you're a bitch or if you come off this way you're an asshole i just feel like we as men don't give each other enough society doesn't give us enough wiggle room to learn that right and i didn't necessarily have you know i did i did have a father figure and i want to just give my thanks and just say i'm super grateful for him but lean into it Ooh. Lean into it, bro. Yeah. I want all this in the podcast. But um super grateful for my dad Herman. You know, because he was my father figure. But I think, you know. He was doing the best that he could, and uh, we're not always taught as men how to fully express ourselves and be vulnerable, right? And, um, bro, it wasn't easy transitioning from Starbucks to working for you, and I did feel like your bitch, and now I understand, you know, that's how being an employee works. But um, that is something I'm super grateful for is being able – like sales teaches you that too. You have to communicate things a certain way. So that it doesn't come off as, you know, rude or arrogant um, while still getting your point across. So um, I'm just extremely grateful for that. And that's kind of what that that story that you brought up reminded me of, of just like I remember telling you, like, dude, I've never been taught how to communicate my feelings. Yeah. And you're like, it's okay, bro. Give me a hug. It's okay. And I was like, I was like, thanks, bro. Yeah. I remember I said, I said, what did I say? Real men cry or something (laughs) like that. Yeah. You did. Yeah, but like communication, especially like between men, we're taught to be these, you know, tough dudes that don't have any emotion. And especially like that's how I was raised. I mean, my dad is a Vietnam veteran. He's a tough dude. And growing up, the whole thing was like, you know, when you get hurt in football, like you don't don't show any pain. You get into a fight, you do not show any sign of weakness. Otherwise, you're going to be a target. You're going to be a bitch, right? right? And I think that that's kind of changing. I think that there's something to being tough and strong and being able to handle stuff. But I think there's also, and I don't think you've ever, maybe you've seen me cry maybe once. Like, I don't I don't think I cry a lot in public. Six times. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Have you ever seen me cry? I think one time, but it wasn't like real, like how I just cried. It was more yeah. just like tearing up, you know? Yeah. Well, but but if I do that, I do it on my own. But I think it's healthy to be able to 
express that. And mm-hmm. I think that if you don't, it bottles up inside and then all of a sudden you're punching a picture of your family for no reason, <laughs> you yeah. know, like, and so it, it goes back to like sitting alone and being at peace in your mind, you know, and, and allowing those things to bottle up is basically you're sacrificing your own peace of mind because of like fear of, Oh, this, you know, I might, people might see me this way, but I, th- I think there's still a lot of truth to that. Right. I think there are a lot of circumstances where a man needs to show like, Nope, I'm a man right now and I'm I need to set that aside for this moment, right? That's like like if you're with if you're with your family or a significant like your significant other and you need a protector, like you're not gonna fucking cry if some dude's trying to fight you. You right. know what I mean? Like yeah. in those situations. Yeah. But that's the difference between being a man and being a man. Like I, I think the definition of a man is somebody who's ready to die for their family. Like I think that brutal caveman shit is in us. And I think it needs to be. And, and I am a firm believer that somebody breaks into my house. If I'm going to die defending my girlfriend and my dogs and everything that I have. Right. And, and that that's fine. But somebody who expresses their, you know, somebody who cries doesn't make them any less of a man. In fact, I think it makes them more because they feel comfortable in their own skin to be vulnerable. And, um, You know, again, like, I think that people just need to let emotions flow a little more freely and not worry too much about what people think. And, um, yeah, I think that the, the, you know, um, just to be clear, I'm not talking about, you know, I'm not pro toxic masculinity. I, I don't think that men should be should feel bad for being men, but I do think that we need to be a little more open with our emotions and uh, maybe less men will commit suicide. Boom, mic drop. So Don, um, tell people where they can follow you. Yeah, so I do have a personal Instagram. Um, it's not, you know, I, I don't share it for everyone, but I'm always open to networking. You know, Kevin's taught me that your your network is your net worth. Um, so Instagram is the Dawn Dawn. Um, the second Dawn has a zero in it and you can follow me there. Check out our website, sunny solar leads. If you want to see me cry, cry some more on there. No, I'm just joking. But yeah, sunny solar If you want some, uh, solar leads, dude, thank you for this, bro. This, this fucking podcast was fire. Yeah, dude, we got to do more of these. Bet, this, bet, bet. this won't be the last one. Pleasure doing business with you, sir. Likewise, bro. Thanks for coming on.